Well, it's great to be together tonight. It's really, really great to just hang out together and worship and, and have fun. And yeah, it's good. It's awesome. And um, yeah, but at the same time, as, as pretty much all of you are aware, we, we're in a pretty strange season in a, in a, as a church. Um, I feel quite strange being an interim senior pastor. Everyone keeps calling me senior pastor, and I keep saying interim. It's an interim senior pastor. It's not senior pastor. It's, it's, it's for a little while. And, and um, yeah, we've had a lot of change in a short amount of time, and for that to happen can be quite disorientating, um, quite shocking even, um, can create anxiety, uncertainty, and, and just a sense of discomfort. And I think everyone's kind of feeling that. Um, it's strange for Dave not to be here. Um, that there's still a grieving that's going on. And again, like I said last week, I just want to sort of restate and say that's okay. Um, it's okay to feel that. It's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to be processing that. But as I've been talking to people and, and sharing, particularly yesterday we had a worship leaders retreat Janelle led that was awesome. And, and we were just kind of just sharing about where people are at. And m- most everybody's kind of at that place of like, yeah, this, we're feeling this, but there's this sense of hope. And there's this sense of expectation and even excitement and, and looking to the new season and, and sensing that God is doing something and, and what's it going to be and kind of looking forward and wanting to move forward. And it's interesting, right, like that these two things that kind of seem kind of opposites can both be true at the same time. That you can actually say, actually, I feel really fearful, but I feel really excited. Or you can even say you kind of are a bit uncertain but hopeful, which kind of seems to contradict but can kind of go together. What we want to talk about tonight, so we're going to keep talking about transition. Um, we're, we're going through Colossians, kind of a bit more, a bit more devotionally, still kind of teaching, but just sort of pulling out some things that are relevant um, to this season of transition. And as we do that, I suppose transition is a point between two things. And what I want to pull out tonight is two things that can sometimes seem kind of contradictory can both be true. And actually the thing to do is to stay in that middle place to stay in the thing where these two things that don't seem to go together go together, when the temptation is to go to an extreme, because that's easier. It's easier just to go to a black or a white or to, to, a, to a, it's this side, it's this side, it's this way, it's this way, and that's easier. But there's a, there's a real um, grace and there's a, real, there's a real ability. When we look at scripture, we look at God, there's these tensions that come together. It's actually interesting that this whole idea of transition, um, there's a season that we're in now, but in actual fact, it's the season that the whole church is always in. It's actually really what the church is. The ch- church is a transition. That's, that's basically what church is all the time. Um, last week, we, we started off this series looking at Paul, and he's, he's praying for this church in Colossae, and he's, he's thanking God for them. He's praying for God's will to be revealed for them, which is what we're praying for us in this season. And then he just goes into this amazing description of Jesus, this exalted, risen Messiah. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the new creation. Jesus is Lord of all. But then we take a step back and we're going to look at it as we look at this next verse. Paul's writing these amazing things about Jesus while he's in prison. They think Jesus, the, the God that Paul serves is the God who rose from the dead, who's the ruler of everything, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, powers. Jesus is above everything, but Paul's in prison. You sort of think that those things don't seem to go together. And it's because in the story that God is, is working out, we are in a transition. We're in a transition where Jesus has come, he's defeated evil, he's paid for our sins, he's died, he's risen again. Jesus is the Lord of all the universe. He is over everything. But 
the battle is actually still going. He, Jesus has the victory, we have the victory, but there's still a battle that's going on against evil that one day Jesus will come back and defeat for, for, forever. And some of you guys might have heard this illustration gets used comparing that period to the period in World War II. That there's kind of two ends to World War II. There's one end, Wesel like this, called, called D-Day. One end called D-Day when, when the Allied forces stormed the beach at Normandy, Normandy and there, there's victory, right? They, they basically, the, the, the Allied forces win the war, but for another year, the battle keeps going. So they're victorious. There's no way the others can win, but there's still a battle that's going until victory in Europe Day when it's finally finished. There's this transition period. And the church is in this transition period that the kingdom of God has not fully come, but it has come. It came in Jesus. It's coming, and one day it will be fully realized. Therefore, there's these things that seem to be contradictory that are actually both true, that Jesus can be Lord, yet Paul can still be suffering. So we're going to kind of look at that as we go through. But as we do, kind of the theme for this week is, is sometimes we can forget that that's the case and that we're still in a battle. Sometimes we can sort of think, Jesus has dealt with evil, Jesus is victorious, now is the time for comfort, now is the time for peace, now is the time just to sit back and relax and forget that actually, yes, there's victory, yes, there's comfort by the Spirit, yes, there's peace with God, but actually, this is still time for battle. There's actually still opposition. There's actually still, the, the war is still going even though it's won. One day it will be fully realized, but we're still in it. This is what Mark Sayers says about this, particularly in the church in the West, where for a long time we haven't really faced extreme opposition. There's, there's, there's just been abundance, and this can kind of lull us to sleep and thinking that we're not supposed to have difficulty or hardship. Things are supposed to be easy. This is what he says. Our lack of hardship weakens our resi resilience. We are born for a struggle, created for a cause, formed for a great battle. We as individuals find meaning in struggle, and the church is God's army. However, in the West, she has been away from the battle far too long. Not only has she forgotten how to fight, but she's forgotten that she's in a battle. What is more, she's come to expect peace. Resistance is foreign to her. What battle, she says. The armor of God is gathering dust in the corner. So as we go through this tonight, we're kind of thinking about this theme of this battle that the church is in, that we're in, and kind of to just acknowledge that in this season and be aware of it. But there's a danger in this, because this battle is a particular battle. It's not, it's not that we're just going to go out there and fight, but we have to understand it. And in it, there's going to be these tensions of two things that can be true. So we're going to just kind of look at them today and look at what this battle of the spirit, the flesh, what God is doing in this place. So we're going to go through Colossians 1. So if you want to follow along, it's from verse 24. Um, I'm just going to give you simple three points, pull it all together, give some application, nice and, nice and easy as we go. So this is Paul talking to the Colossian church. He's just given this big description of Jesus, how amazing Jesus is, and then he says this. Now, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. Again, he's writing this in prison. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but that is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
So we see Paul's writing in prison, right? And he says these things that seem to be contradictory, right? That he's suffering and he's also rejoicing. He's actually saying that he, his suffering is actually doing something for this church in Colossae. Now, this, this can be misinterpreted by saying that he's, he's paying for their sins. It's not what he's saying. Like Jesus has fully paid for their sins. This idea of afflictions is not talking about dying for sin, atoning for sin. But it's this idea that Paul is identified with Jesus and Jesus is the suffering Messiah. And actually in this transition, there's still opposition and evil that is against God. And to be identified with God involves suffering. And we see that in the New Testament a lot. But Paul even seems to be saying that his suffering is in some way benefiting this church. That it's almost like because he's suffering, they're not. Now, a few commentators say different things. It's almost like maybe Paul's kind of directing enemy fire at himself. He's like, he wants the, the, the attack to come on him to spare this church. Or it's like there's a certain amount of suffering that might be happening. Paul wants as much of it to be on him to spare them. It's this, this love and this grace for this church that he has, that he's willing to suffer for them, and even says that he rejoices. We see, again, um, throughout the New Testament that he says this, this different times. There's this picture of this tension in this battle that goes on, that actually the expectation is there will be suffering, that that's, that's part and parcel of being a Christian. But there's rejoicing. And these two things that seem opposite actually go together. Paul talks about it later on again uh, in, in um, Corinthians. This is what he says, because I mean, he's like this man of God, right? He's, he's been called by God. He's seen Jesus. He's the one who gets to tell all these people the good news, people who are not Jewish, they're Gentiles, yet he suffers immensely. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carrying about in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so his life might be revealed in our mortal body. There's this understanding Paul has that he's actually been called to suffer, but it's actually in that suffering that Jesus' life is revealed. It's actually in following Jesus and being identified with Jesus, the crucified Messiah, that his life is shared to others. And then Paul, from, from the, at the end of this chapter, Paul describes how he can do that, how these two contradictory things, suffering and rejoicing, can go together. And it's all got to do with his perspective. This is how Paul sees this. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then this is how he describes his suffering. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul's got this, this fix, his eyes are fixed on, on the victory that's been won and the victory that will one day be fully realized and understands that in this transition there will be suffering, yet we can rejoice in the midst of it. Rejoice in it because it, it identifies us with Jesus, Rejoice in it because it's a sign that, that we're different, that he's different, that the kingdom is coming. and There's opposition, but the kingdom is coming. There's rejoicing in that. And for us, I think in this season of just, just being the church, um, particularly, but even in our season of transition here, 
a time to remember we're actually in a battle and therefore suffering is actually part of it. We're called to follow Jesus and Jesus is the one who is crucified. And he says, take up our cross and follow him. But in that, rejoice. That, 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 that in that suffering, in that difficulty, he, that can even be used to bring about God's purposes, God's grace, to grow our character, to grow our hope. And this may not be persecution. This may not be violent opposition like it was for Paul. This may be just the day-to-day suffering that we actually experience as a Christian, the battle against temptation, the battle of the flesh and the spirit, the, the desires in, our, in ourselves that oppose God, that actually we need to die to, that actually we need to let go of. And that's, we kind of just say that that's an easy thing, right? Like just die to your sin, just die to the flesh. But there's actually parts of ourselves that are opposed to God that we call the flesh, and to die to them feels like death. Like, it's not fun. It's, it's suffering. But there's life by the Spirit that comes. And as we transition, as we think about transition, I think we can check our expectations and realize, actually, there's a level of suffering that, that we will probably experience. That change can be painful. Change actually signifies death. Things that were done certain ways in the past, when there's something new, there's, there's death. And sometimes when we've held on to those things so strongly, it will feel like losing a part of ourselves and it will hurt. Yet in the midst of that, there can be rejoicing that God is doing a new thing, that something else is happening, that there's life, and we can rejoice in the midst of that. It's not just suffering or rejoicing, but the two can go together. There's this creative tension of two opposite things that come together. Paul keeps going then. We'll look at this next one. This is in verse 28. He says this, He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is his goal. Paul wants everyone to know Jesus, to be like Jesus, to be mature in Jesus. And he says this, To this end I strenuously contend, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul's saying, like, this is my goal. I want these people mature in Jesus, and I'm going to work incredibly hard. This idea of contend is like struggle or fight. Like, Paul is working hard. But then he says, but it's the, it's, it's the energy of Christ that's working in him. These things that, again, seem contradictory. And in, in this battle of the church and in our transition. There's hard work that needs to be done. Hard work, contending, is actually this idea of struggling, fighting, pushing, working. Yet, there's empowering presence. That actually, in the hard work, it's actually God working in us and through us. It's actually His Spirit. It's His grace. Paul says another time, he talks about how he's worked harder than anybody, but it's the grace of God working through him. These two things that seem contradictory, that actually go together. And this is so important, right? Because we can kind of go to two extremes again. We can go to the extreme of sort of just sitting back and we just say, well, God's grace, God will do it. God will make things happen. Our job is just to sit back and wait. Or we can go to the other extreme and, and burn out. And we say, we have, there's so much to do. There's so much burden. There's so much need. And we just say, it's all on us. We have to make it happen. And, and again, you, you, we know people, and they, you go too far with that. But this is what one commentator says about this, this idea of what Paul's talking about. He says this, The word struggling, whose root can mean to compete in the games, 
carries as often in, does in Paul this idea of athletic contest. So, so it's like imagine an athlete who's, who's disciplined, who's working hard, who's focused. This is kind of the language Paul's using. Paul does not go about his work half-heartedly, hoping vaguely that grace will fill in the gaps, which he is too lazy to work out himself. So, so he doesn't sit back here and sort of say, well, it's okay, God, God will do it. It doesn't really matter what I do. It doesn't really matter. I just, I'll just wait for God. Nor, though, does he imagine that it's all up to him. So unless he burns himself out with restless, anxious toil, nothing will be achieved. So he doesn't sit back. He doesn't push forward too far. He knows that God's desire is to bring Christians to maturity and that God has called him to have a share in that work. These two things go together. He can therefore work hard without the stressful motivation of either pride or fear. He thus becomes an example of that maturity, both human and Christian, that he seeks under God to produce in others. Paul kind of holds these things together in his example. He's saying that God is doing this work and God is using me to do it. So I'm going to work hard, but it's his power and it's his grace in me. These contradictory extremes come together as one. And it's, it's what Jesus talks about when he talks about abiding. Jesus says to his disciples, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That the fight, the, the contending, ultimately is to stay in that place of, of trusting, resting in his grace, remaining in him, working at what he's doing, but it's his grace that's working in the midst of it. And again, as we, we transition or, or just maybe in your own life and the things that God is calling you and leading you to do, it's a time to check our expectations and realize actually there is hard work to do. There is a level of actually stepping in or of struggling, of contending. There's actually even a level of feeling a burden and, and a weight that, that can be good. Paul talks about that as well. Yet at the same time, we stay in this place of it's His grace. It's his power. We are weak, but his grace is sufficient. It's his power. It's his strength. And we rest in him. And I think particularly we can sort of realize that in, in this battle, in this transition, there's hard work yet empowering presence. Last one. As we keep going, then, then Paul goes into chapter 2. He says this. He keeps talking about the struggle he's having. He says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goals, this is what Paul wants for this church. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so this is, this is why he wants this, the reason he has that goal. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from, from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit. Delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. We see Paul's talking about something that's going on in this church, that there's actually people that are coming who are trying to deceive them. Or maybe they haven't done that, but it's like, this is, this is a, a potential problem, that there's, there's deception, people that want to lead them away from Christ. We see that there's, a, there's actually a battle going on in this church in Colossae, that there's actually opposition. There's actually people who are using arguments to kind of add to Christ or, or, or d direct them away from Christ to, to find wisdom and understanding in other things. And Paul's aware of it. There's actually 
opposition. Yet his goal for them is that they would have united resistance. What he talks about in that passage when he talks about unity, that they would be united, or some translations say their hearts would be knit together in love and in understanding of this, the good news, this mystery of Jesus, that this is a united community of love and the truth. Truth and love, which is this community that's centered on Christ, which then he uses this language of being, being disciplined and firm. It's like this language, almost like an army of, of, of soldiers that are, that are lined up, that are ready. It's like truth, love, focused on Christ, disciplined, strength that can stand against opposition. So that's what Paul is desiring for this church. And it's, it's God's provision that God has given us a body. He's given us a family. And it's, but in some ways, it's also an army. That's job is to stand together in unity to resist the opposition that will come. John Mark Herman talks about this, this idea. And again, with this transition, using the analogy of D-Day and, and V-E Day, he says this, we live between D-Day and V-E Day between Jesus' first coming to land the decisive blow and his second to end evil for good. And in the meantime, our job is to stand in that victory, to hold our ground, to cooperate with heaven's invasion of earth. Yes, we fight, but our fight isn't with swords or spears or AK-47s. It's with prayer and sacrificial love. So don't join a militia and go to war. Get on your knees and give your life away. And again, that's the really key. We're talking about battle right, and that can get taken wrongly. Like we can, we can step into this kind of flesh idea of battle of like we just have to go out there and fight. We just need to fight and bring change. And it's, it's, it's not it. Our weapons are prayer. Our weapons are the word of God. Mark Sayers says when the word of God pierces someone, it saves them. That, that, that is our weapon. Um, our weapon is sacrificial love for enemies. That's the weapon Jesus uses to defeat evil by going to the cross. He, he, he takes it on himself and he dies. And that, that's how his kingdom comes. That, that's, they're the weapons that we use. And we're this community. God's given this community a provision of a community of united resistance that can stand against opposition. And again, in this season, in this transition, again, this is, this is the time, like we've been saying, to come together, to unite in love, to unite in truth, to unite in Christ to center on him and be aware that there will be opposition. And again, this may take, take, take the form of people trying to deceive or lead away from Christ. It may take the form of temptation. It may take the form of persecution. It may take the form of social pressure to, to, to cave to things, that, to, to, to things that are different to Jesus or different to the way of Jesus. And, and actually the church is this united resistance that we stand together. So we see in Paul, in, in this idea of transition, in this battle, there's these tensions that come together, suffering yet rejoicing, hard work yet empowering presence, opposition yet united resistance. But as we go through this passage, I'm going to read it again. And in everything, in this battle that Paul's talking about, it's all about Christ. He, he, look at how much Paul just focuses on Christ. He's talking about Christ's afflictions, Christ's body. His goal is to present to them the Word of God, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. That, that we, we can, and, and me too, like we, we come to church every week, we just know Jesus is the good news. But, but what we have been given in the gospel, in knowing Jesus, 
is the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. That most people in history did not know this, that Jesus was gonna come, that good news would go out to all people, that eventually the God of the universe wants to dwell in his people by his spirit. This is actually a mystery that's been revealed. Paul keeps talking about this, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says he, Jesus is the one we proclaim. It's, it's all about Jesus, it's about being mature in Jesus. See, this is the struggle that Paul has. This is, this is what he's fighting for. It's the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He wants them to know that they have all they need in Jesus, that he has all wisdom, that he has all knowledge. And he wants them firm and strong and ready to resist so that they can stay firm in Christ. You see, this is Paul's struggle. This is the battle ultimately. The battle in this period of transition in the church is about Jesus. And it's the battle that he fights. And our battle is to stay trusting in him, aware of him, walking with him. And Jesus in himself even has this creative tension. Again, two things that don't seem to go together that do in him, that he is the lion, that Jesus is this powerful, courageous, strong ruler. Yet, he is the lamb, this vulnerable animal that was sacrificed for the sake of the world. And that's how Jesus fights. And that's now Jesus is victorious. He is the lion and the lamb. He holds these things together. He fights the battle. But it is a battle to stay with him. To, to, to not tolerate in ourselves a weak faith, to not tolerate in ourselves things that are opposed to him, to not tolerate in ourselves being the, the way that's, that's lazy and not working or, or overworking, because and, and, these really are the flesh. And Jesus has come to give us life in the spirit, to, to give us this freedom, this maturity, and the ba- there's actually a battle going in inside of us, and, and what we need to do is be aware of it, and be ready to fight. This is what um, Peter Lightheart says about this. He says, the spirit is at war with the flesh, outside and within the church. And it's the duty of the church's members and leaders to stay in the ranks of the spirit as he carries out that warfare and not abandon the spirit to join forces with the flesh. And you probably feel it, that there's this battle inside of us. There's, there's still parts of ourselves that are opposed to God that are to die. And there's the spirit and the desires of the spirit in us that we are to bring to life and to walk in. And actually, that, that's the, the, the difficulties, the trouble of life can actually sometimes reveal to us the flesh. And again, we can rejoice and put that to death and walk by the spirit. And this is a constant battle that we grow in, yet rejoicing in the midst of it. The battle to follow Jesus, to know him. And I'm not sure how you're sort of taking this tonight, because sometimes we sort of don't really talk too much about this because it's like just either like really intense like let's battle let's fight or it's like we come back and we're like no like we're sons we're daughters we just rest and we just receive and it, and again these two things are intention they come together i was reading this afternoon and and this author was talking about henry Nowen, and he he talks about how like jesus in us we actually each have a lion and a lamb in us we have a part of ourselves that's courageous and strong and can lead and be decisive. And we have a part of ourselves that's incredibly vulnerable 
and weak and needs help and needs attention. And actually, we are to embrace both and to walk forward. That actually, that's not a dichotomy, that both can be true. This is what he says now and writes this. Developing your identity as a child of God in no way means giving up your responsibilities. Likewise, claiming your adult self in no way means that you cannot become increasingly a child of God. See, this is a false dichotomy. In fact, the opposite is true. The more you can feel safe as a child of God, the freer you will be to claim your mission in the world as a responsible human being. Now in places the lamb and the lion together, the child and the adult, humility and courage, safety in being a son or a daughter of God and the freedom to lead. And I think there's, there's an opportunity right in this season as we're talking about there's these tensions of we feel vulnerable, we feel weak, we feel anxious, yet there's a strength and there's a courage and there's a faith. And actually those two things can be together. And actually in this battle, last week we talked about prayers of thanksgiving and intercession and, and, and worship of Jesus. And, and t- tonight, I encourage you to, to step into the battle and contend and, and struggle and, and step into it and say, we, we actually need to stand up. Not in a like, we're just gonna do it in our own strength and not in a like, we're just gonna sit back and, and just receive, but both. We are children of God, yet we're being called to courage. We're being called to move forward. We're being called to step into that. We've been called to action, yet also receiving and faith. And we actually hold these two things together. So we're going to respond in a, in a minute to this. And, and we're going to have a time of communion. And, and the way we do that here is you just come up the front and um, take, take a cracker and dip it in the juice. It represents Jesus' body that, that he broke for us. His blood that he spilt for us. And as we do that today, we center on him, this, this, this God who's this powerful, strong God who would sacrifice and die in such a vulnerable way. This God who has the victory, yet there's still a battle going on. We come back to him. And today, as we do that, I think just that that maybe we just take some time to think for ourselves, where have we gone to an extreme? Where where has the flesh shown itself? Maybe it's that we've hung back in fear. And tonight maybe is a night to just come to God and confess. God, I've, I've been weak, fearful, even, even lazy. We can just, apathetic. And we can confess that and receive his grace and receive his love. Or maybe we've been over here and just been striving and working and burdened and, and just doing it in our own strength and going on without God. And again, time to confess, come back. Maybe this is really pride is really how it manifests. Come back in humility and and receive his grace and his love and pray for his grace to step into this middle ground. I just just think this this is powerful to be in this middle place. These both things can be true, but this is the place that God holds them together. It's only by focusing on him that these can be held together. It's only with his power and his grace. So we're just going to seek that, ask God to work that in us. And just imagine if that was the case, if this was a community that was characterized by courage and humility, the truth and love, hard work and empowering presence, suffering and rejoicing. There's opposition, yet united resistance. Like imagine if that was what this place was like. So I'm just gonna pray, pray into that 
and then we're going to respond. Come and have communion. If you brought offering, there's, there's opportunity as well. Then, then we'll worship. We'll worship together. Father, we just thank you that that you are God, that you are bigger than us, God. That you can hold things that seem to be opposed together. That that that's who you are. That you are three in one, God. You 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 are unity in diversity. And Jesus, we just confess that, that we go to extremes to, to feel safe, God, to have control, the extremes of fear or the extremes of pride, God. And we just ask that you'd bring us back to you. Um, would you meet us right now, Lord, um, in this place? Would you show us what does it look like to be just trusting children but also courageous leaders? Um, would you just reveal to us that path, God, that that, that maybe we haven't seen before. Maybe we haven't had great examples of what that looks like. But would you just bring this balance um, into this place, into our community, and, and unite us in love, unite us in truth. Lord, would you make us a people who rejoice in suffering? God, would you make us a people who work hard but trust you? And would you help us to step into this battle in your ways with the, with the weapons of the Spirit? So God, would you just meet us tonight, Lord? Just Would you speak into our hearts and... And God, where we've failed, would your grace just wash it away? Would you renew our lives? Would you renew our strength? God, those who are afraid, give courage. God, those who are, who are trusting ourselves, Lord, give humility. Would you bring us together in you, Jesus? We just pray this in your name.